I remember we played a lot of Stratego. Remember this game? It's a board game, and it's, it's sort of like chess. It, it, it's sort of a grid, but your pieces uh, stand up, and uh, each of them has a certain identity, just like in chess, a different pieces. There's like a general, there's like bombs, there's spies, foot soldiers, but you arrange them however you like, and then your opponent can't see the secret of how you've arranged those pieces. So the idea is that as you sort of engage in combat, you know, in chess, you're just going to, you know, knight takes pawn, you know. Everyone knows everything's above board. You can see all of the information at once. In this one, you, you, you go to capture a piece, and I think if your piece is of a higher value, you can take it. If not, I, forget, I totally forget what happens. But you have to sort of reveal your pieces to show who wins the fight. And then there was the bombs, and if, even if, like, what the hell is that? Oh, it's a light. Okay, sorry. Um, so yeah, even if you, uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm walking along the street here. Uh, so yeah, even if like the top piece, like the general gets bombed, I think they get destroyed. I haven't, I don't know. I have not played this game since then, since my youth. And, uh, but then I don't remember what happened. Like once you reveal your piece, do you then make it secret again? That then there's a, there's a memory ask. You have to sort of remember I think, I think that's what it was. You sort of had to remember what pieces were what things, which is a whole added challenge to the whole thing. But yeah, it was really, like, back in the 70s, board games were super important. It was just an, another part of life. It was something that you could do with your siblings, with your friends, uh, just to play a, a board game. Because remember, you know, at one point there were no video games. And if they, the one we got first was, uh, you know, Pong, a Pong variant called Apollo 2001, uh, that, you know, it was fun, but you're not going to play it for hours. I mean, you know, eventually we got the Atari 2600, but that was many years later. So, yeah, Stratego was a good one. There was one game called Careers that we played a lot. I remember especially my grandmother, my mother's mother, Evelyn. Uh, we used to play careers with her, and this is a game that's not so well known. I think it was from Parker Brothers, or one of those game companies, uh, and it was just uh, sort of like the game of life, which we didn't have. We did not have the game of life. We never played life, but we did have Life Serial though from time to time. That was a good one, especially Cinnamon Life. Cinnamon Life was a good serial. Uh, we were living the cinnamon life. But yeah, Careers was just... I, I forget exactly... I know I've tried looking it up. Whoa, geese. Geese above me. That uh, you would just move around this track and you had to sort of develop your career. There were all these little cards like, oh, you go to college and you earn this degree and you get a job. It's kind of depressing. It was like real life. <laughs> careers. That was a big one. And, of course, we had the staples, like, you know, we had Monopoly, you know, like everyone, you know, the Monopoly games usually ended up with someone flipping out and flipping the table over or something like that. I don't know if Mon Monopoly games ever ended. It just, people drifted off to watch TV, and it was one of those games that it, it had a strong start, but then it just, I think people would lose interest. <laughs> and then you, everyone played with the, the free parking money, which is not part of the actual rules. 
So whoever landed on free parking got like $8 million, and it, it was kind of like game over at that point, you know. <laughs> One of the more obscure ones I had was called Space Hop. I think I probably got it at maybe at like a museum store or something, Space Hop. And the pieces were like these wooden like rocket ships. And you would, uh, I don't know, you would have to go to different planets to go and like, get to, oh, go to Jupiter go to like Venus, like all these different things. I don't really remember much about the game, but I remember really liking it. Of course, we had Chinese checkers. The version we had, I think it was from Pressman. It's another one of those toy companies. I don't think that all, at least, see, we're talking about the American toy companies. I think they all got bought up by Hasbro eventually. Hasbro did exist back then. Pressman, yeah. Uh, so Chinese checkers, of course kind of a classic game you know it had a you could play with two people three people four people could you do five i'm not sure because it was like a, a six-pointed star kind of shape that's a good game it one game that i uh, remember re- uh, researching about and I actually bought i had a board of called halma h-a-l-m-a halma was uh you know like a 1920s board game that was very very similar to chinese checkers but it it was on a Whereas Chinese checkers, the board, right, I think it was more hexagonal. That is, each space had like six ways to go from it. This was more of a, just a a, a grid of squares. And, uh, Halma, that is. And it was very similar, though. You had your pieces in a little area, and you had to somehow get them across to the other area using all these hops. And you could, you could hop as many times as as there were moves. You could jump over your own pieces or other people's pieces. You didn't capture them. It just allowed for, for movement, just like Chinese checkers. But Halma, I thought, was... You know, when I finally discovered it, I thought it was much a much deeper, much more interesting game. But a game like Halma had lost its popularity for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, it's perhaps slightly more complex than Chinese checkers. Remember that song by uh, Booker T and the MGs? Chinese checkers, your move. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah, that was a good song. I think we had Scrabble, just the basic Scrabble. I, I kind of remember that, but I don't have strong memories of, of Scrabble. I do remember, of course, Risk. Risk was a big one. That was, you know, the World Conquest game that... Uh, took a long time you had to had to have your armies were sweeping across the world and i always remember there's there's an area on the uh, eastern part of russia called irkutsk we all thought that was really funny Ooh, i oh you you invaded irkutsk funny name places then there was a game called survive which uh we played a lot it was like uh i think it was like ancient atlantis was uh blowing up and sinking under the ocean or something like that and you had to like you had all these lifeboats and these little people but then there were like sharks and dragons in the water that would like kill everyone (laughs) not really a very pleasant game everyone's getting killed constantly survive and we had a uh, just a classic set of par cheesy by uh, again, I think by Parker Brothers and one of those game companies. So the the actual name is called the game is called Pa Cheesy, and I think it's of Indian origin. But they changed the name to Par Cheesy 
to, to trademark it themselves. It was their own version of it. But it was the same exact game where you're just going around and around. Roll dice, go around and around. Somewhat similar to backgammon, but just easier to play. Chess. We had chess. And I learned how to play chess when I was a kid. My parents were into chess. I think they were in a chess club at one point. So I remember my father taught me chess. and So I do know chess very well. At least I know how to play it. But I don't have any of the meta knowledge in terms of opening, opening move strategies or anything like that. I just know how to play chess, but I'm not good at it. And over the years, trying to play chess against the computer always frustrates me because I always get the computer always kicks my ass. Then, of course, there is backgammon, which I don't think we played backgammon as kids, but it had a huge resurgence in popularity in the 70s, I think. Perhaps, I don't know if that's when the doubling cube was added and, and backgammon was uh, had like sort of a gambling aspect to it, right? part skill, part luck. And uh, if you thought you were in a good position, you, you could double the wages. You could double the wagers. And, uh, and then your opponent could either accept that or you could just keep, you know, and then the game would end or you could just keep playing your opponent thinking they can beat you. That Apparently that added a lot to the game of backgammon. I remember seeing... You know, in New York City, you see a lot of setups in various places, parks and stuff, where people are playing chess. And to know as chess hustlers, where they try to, like, uh, strike up games with people who think they're good at chess for, for a wager, for a bet. And then uh, they're, they're inevitably much better than the person. Although I saw a video recently of... Uh, woman who was like a chess master who went to one of the chess hustlers and sort of tricked him. He was trying to trick her. A lot of trickery going on. But then I also saw uh, a long time ago I saw people playing backgammon in in one of those indoor kind of uh, public spaces. That was kind of interesting. You don't really see backgammon out in the wild that much. trying to think some of the more of course we had Candyland which is uh, I think most kids first introduction to board games it's a game that involves is complete luck it has no there is no skill involved in any way shape or form you have a piece and you draw a card which will have a color on it and you move your piece to the next instance of that color there's no choices there is no nothing it is just complete utter luck well I did play remember I played that when I went down to Philadelphia with the three weasels we were in uh, that Liberty Tower and they had Candyland there. We were just playing a, a, a game of Candyland. I, I forget who won. Of course, uh, Shoots and Ladders. We had one of those. Uh, originally with Snakes and Ladders, but I guess Snakes is a little too violent for kid, the little kitties, so they changed it to Shoots, which is a sort of sl- what we would know as a slide. You know, in a playground, a slide. Where you climb up and you slide down. But somehow, I don't know where, where this word Shoots comes from, it must be maybe in British English or something. Well, I know Helter Skelter was one of those those type of rides too, a larger, more elaborate one for adults at a uh, at like a fun fair. 
When I get to the bottom, I go back to the top of the slide. Is it slide? Go for a ride. When I get to the bottom, and I see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So. I'm trying to think what else we had. I know, there, I know there's more games that we had. Anyway, I'm on my way to New York City here. I'm at my bus stop now. Going to be going in for a day of work. Been, uh, it's weird because you know before the pandemic I would go in five days a week and now it's much less. But you know at some point sitting home day after day is not mentally healthy. So um, going in is definitely uh, worthwhile. I, I went in one day last week. It was a great day. You heard me. I recorded. Remember I got that vegan ramen. I had that Korean rice beer. It was a great day. Awesome day. Was that even? Was that just a week? Ago, like eight days ago? It seems like longer than that. Well, time perception, it feels a bit different in 2023, but that's a whole different story now, isn't it? Hey, we're here in New York City at the Port Authority bus terminal. I'm standing in this little corner here. Had to get myself situated. A bunch of junk in my pocket along with my recorder. It was all falling out. But yeah, this corner used to be like the entrance to the, the Hallmark store which is now over there, that they reduced their footprint. And there's a liquor store here now, Upstairs Wine and Liquors. And uh, this corner used to have a dis- this display window now that has Hennessy cognac and a video screen in it. Used to have uh, those Christmas Villages Department 56 over here. You remember that? What else do we have here? The Yamazaki Single Malt Japanese Whiskey. One cup of sake. That looks good. It's just little cups of sake you can buy. Choya umeshu. The added natural fruit is called ume in Japanese. The organic acid of ume balances the beautiful, the beautiful taste of choya. Choya will satisfy your taste buds to the last drop. Good stuff. Yeah, it's pretty wild because I, uh, you know, over the last couple days I've been watching my old uh, in ramble videos from 2008, a lot of which are here in the Port Authority bus terminal, Times Square, etc. 15 years ago. <laughs> it's wild. Makes you think. I was so young back then. And doing kind of the same stuff. Well, what do you want? It's all good. Look at these little figurines here. Cockatoos. Pandas. Clownfish. Tchotchkes of all sorts. Ah, the old bus terminal. What is that sound in the distance? I don't know. Anyway, I was thinking of some more board games um, (coughs) we used to have. One of them was called Dragon Master. It was more a card game, but kind of a board game because it had little gems and stuff. Dragon Master was a uh, had this incredible art by um, this guy named Bob Pepper, who also did the art on uh, Dark Tower, a game we did not have. I think our one of my friends had Dark Tower. I did not have Dark Tower, but Dragon Master. It was kind of a trick-taking game. You went around playing cards. Whoever had the highest one each round takes the trick, you know, that kind of thing. But the art was just amazing. I remember I somehow I got rid of my original one or lost it. Then I bought another one. So I, at least I have the cards somewhere. 
And look here, another video I made in In Ramble, the 42nd Street Ballroom. It's still here, the kinetic sculpture. Of course, they have the button now that can uh, start it up. I wonder if the th I wonder if it's on. Press button, and the button is not working. But there's another button on the other side. Let's see if we can get this one to work. No, no, it's got problems, obviously. Obviously, it's got some problems, but anyway. Another game that I had pretty much forgotten, but there's a reference to it in uh, the video I released of the complete polarized worlds. I uh, called uh, Shadow Lord with an exclamation mark. And this was a, a board game about dominating outer space with these weird fantasy characters. So you had little spaceships and all these little little plastic pieces. It was a whole thing. It was a wild game. There's a lot going on. I remember one of the characters named Vigo. Maybe like a frogman or something. That was cool. Also, we had the original Star Wars board game. The very first Star Wars board game. It was very rudimentary. You had these little uh, cardboard little cardboard pieces of like Luke and Chewbacca you just put them in these bases and you move them around the board I think it was Escape the Death Star game I remember the game was not too fun but we played it anyway because it was Star Wars you know and of course another big one that I forgot was Clue right and the edition of Clue we had was one specific 70s edition of Clue I know in uh, the British Isles it's known as Cluedo Cluedo or Cluedo I'm not sure how they would pronounce that this is where you're, you're in a, a mansion and someone got killed like like uh, professor professor plum did it with a, a lead pipe in the basement or something remember this game clue i remember we used to play that one a lot that was a good one ah here we are 42nd street I feel like I should do some more in-ramble videos. I could just use my phone, but no! That was, a two, that was a phenomenon of the year 2008, okay? We don't need to go back. <laughs> <That'd be cool. laughs> it's kind of inspired by my younger self, though. Well, I wonder if that Five Below is open yet. Remember the Five Below here in 42nd. Whoa! What's wrong with these people? Honk, honk. Look at these honkers. I'm going to go to five below. Let's see. Crumb's Bake Shop is long closed, but the facade is still here. I don't know. Is, this is it open? So we could try it out. Oh, you have to go up. Uh, it's open at 10, so it's not open yet. Oh, boy. Not open in the mornings. Oh, well. Well, look, they're opening up It's Sugar, the candy store over here. Wow. Oh, that's, that is the space that used to be um, HMV Record Store, and then it was uh, Sports Authority or Models, one of those sporting stores. And now it's it's sugar. Wow. 
That's the one that had this, there's a little window if you looked up in the store and there's the escalator going up and the movie theater would look down into the store. I don't think they have that anymore. I think they covered that up. I like that how like two different spaces sort of look into each other. I remember especially the, uh, how that worked in uh, Walt Disney World, the Magic Kingdom, the Wedway People Mover would go inside all the other rides. It would like go inside if you had wings and Space Mountain and all these other rides. It was kind of cool. There's that sense that you sort of are almost like violating the space of another type of space, you know. Like looking into a ride that you can almost only see that scene if you go into the ride itself. You see what I'm saying? Target is open, of course. I went into this Target before, though. More games. I do think we had Mousetrap at one point. The game where you, you had to slowly build this sort of Rube Goldberg-esque contraption to catch the mouse. I don't remember playing that game too much. I think as, as fun as the uh, contraption was, I don't know if the game itself was that fun to play. I don't know. Or if you wanted to play the game or you just wanted to build a contraption, you know. I also had a game called Quirks. Uh, this was a uh, kind of a card game. It was, by, it was from a company called Eon Games, who also created the much, much more legendary Cosmic Encounters. That I never had Cosmic Encounters, but my friend Brian, he's a huge board game guy, and I played it with him a few times, but... I had Quirks, which was a game of evolution where you would evolve these different animals. And uh, unfortunately, a sad incident. I think my mother kept threatening me, like, clean up your closet or clean up the room or I'm going to throw everything out. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. But eventually she did throw a bunch of stuff out, including Quirks, the board game. And then eventually I got these expansion packs. They sold expansion packs with different animal parts. And I think I, th I sold those on eBay as well. Huh. <laughs> Who knew? I'm trying to see what else we had here. What else did I remember? Yeah, Take 5. I think it was called Take 5. It was uh, a small plastic thing which had... Uh, it was like a yellow plastic board and there were these pegs you would put in and it was, was one of those games where you're trying to get five in a row, right? A game, I don't know if they call it like Gomoku. You, you can use a... Uh, you can use a Go board to play that game, you know, just trying to get five in a row. But I remember that it was a cool, very cool little... The, sh the form of the board was very cool. And I, I remember thinking I could make other games with it, too. But... I don't know if I ever did. Uh, what was that one game? It wasn't in my youth, but it was around when I was that age. It was, I think it was called Realm. And I think at one point it was sold by Amway. And it had a bunch of other names, too. And uh, it was like a uh, 16 by 16 board, again, made of squares, and subdivided into sectors of 4x4, four four. 
and uh, there were all these different games you could play with it. And a few years ago, there was a site called Nestor Games that had this. You could buy a, a rendition of it that had all the different rules from all the different versions. But then that company kind of changed, and they they stopped selling games like that. But I sort of thought about getting an edition of Realm, but I, it's not necessary. Those those kind of things take up too much space in your life. Now, of course, this was this when well, my youth. It was before the Euro game revolution, where things like uh, Ticket to Ride, Settlers of Catan, Carcassonne, all those kind of games, which is the the kids of today probably have grown up with a much sort of greater, a much more robust and rich selection of board games. Uh, I didn't, we didn't have those. We just had the regular ones. All right, the work day is finished. It's already dark outside. Yeah, I went to lunch. One of our co a bunch of my coworkers down to, uh, yeah, that place, Ha 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 or Ja Ja Ja, down on uh, Carmine Street, vegan Mexican place. It's a great time. I even, uh, we, <laughs> I suggested we stop by Carmine Street Guitars. It's such a unique place where they make uh, guitars from woods, ancient wood from ancient buildings in New York City. really quite mild out here. It's only in the 40s, so it feels kind of warm. It's probably in the upper 40s right now. Heading home. Um, <coughs> one thing that's been on my radar recently is the new <coughs> vegan Baby Bell cheese, which, uh, you know, Baby Bell cheese is, a, is those little, um, normally those little red cheese wheels, little miniature cheese wheels with wax around it, and then you, you pull the little tab and you you um, you open it up and there's a, there's a piece of cheese in there inside the wax. I used to love those. I used to get those when I was just vegetarian, but you know, when I turned vegan in 2018, no more Baby Bell cheese for me. And uh, found out, I think it was a year or two ago, that they're making a vegan version. But it was only available in England. Just like the vegan Kit Kats, I still haven't seen those. They're available in England. Anyway, now the vegan Baby Bell is in America, and uh, theoretically, the Whole Foods right over there may have it. I, I can't tell for sure, but I think they do. So I'm going to get some vegan Baby Bell cheese. I want to have some cheese, damn it! I always love those portable cheeses. Remember, I used to love that other, the other thing. It was like a a, a single-use block of cheese. Not single-use, but you know what I'm saying. I guess all cheese is single-use when you really come right down to it. You can't really reuse it once you've eaten it. But you know what I'm saying. It's uh, an individual portions of cheese. So it's like a block of cheese, but you can just get it and just bite down it. You know, you just eat it. You know, you just, Whereas a larger block of cheese, it would be a bit much to have in one session. But then you have to refrigerate it. You have, so if you're on the move, you need individual portions. You see what I'm saying. Baby Bell are individual portions. Anyway, I'm really hoping they have it. I want cheese. Well, it's vegan cheese, but they've been making a lot of advancements in all all areas of vegan cheese. <coughs> Let you know if they have it. 
Yeah, they didn't have it. When I saw the baby bells, and there were some vegan cheeses in that same display, but nothing of the plant-based baby bell. So I have to keep looking. Have to keep looking for this food product I so desire. I'll try a few other places, but I can I can already tell it's gonna be one of these things. I'm gonna go everywhere to try to find it, and I, they don't have it anywhere. I can tell. Tells one of those kind of things, you know. He's been with me on numerous occasions where Dan has called and I've ignored his call. No, that's that. What is that? He's been with me on numerous occasions. All right, just got off the bus. Walk home now. Then there's another bus here. A lot of buses going on. Get a cigar. There's a mysterious red light in that house there. Or is it a business? Oh yeah, it's like a weird yoga place. There's a weird red light in the second floor. What's going on up there? Are they doing rituals? You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Sort of a liminal parking lot space. Mailbox and driveway? What does that even mean? See, I used to live closer to the bus stop. Now I live a little further. Yeah, it was so hot on the bus. I, you know, I had kind of like a hoodie or pullover kind of thing on. I was sitting there with my t-shirt on the bus and it's actually, it feels pretty warm out here now. So I put put that pullover in my uh, my backpack. Ooh, it's recycling. I got to remember to put the recycling out. Okay. See, when I'm when I'm home during the day, I can have at any time I can get the recycling ready. But now I got to remember when I go home to do the recycling. I think I may have thought of the uh, title for this show sitting on the bus cuz I was uh no, I was looking. I have these documents, a Google Documents, like, uh, what's going on over there? What is she saying? There's a woman walking down across the street. Oh, look, the old haircutting place I used to go to. Because it was right next door to where I lived. Um, yeah, there's, like, these documents I have, like, uh, White Chalk Revival was sort of a continuation of my poetry project that started way back, like in the 80s. I think I've long since realized that, you know, poetry is not my strong suit and to, like, not really worry about it. But I, I, I have this... It was sort of a continuation. And like, every, every couple of years, I write another poem in there. So I, I just started writing one, and one of the phrases I used... Uh, was uh, what was it again? Um, pouring discontinued flavors into the system. I thought that was kind of a cool phrase. I think I might use that as a show title. I'm not 100% sure yet, but yeah, what do you think of that one? Pouring discontinued flavors into the system. It's kind of a cool. It kind of it kind of makes sense, but it kind of doesn't make sense at the same time. 
I like it. A lot of recycling going on. The side of the sidewalk. Just taking a shower this morning. I was thinking about existence. It's just that one line of thought that you can think about. <clears throat> you know, like, how could anything exist? And I understand that it's it's just when you try to think about it, something weird happens in your mind. Because you try to imagine nothingness. But it's kind of impossible to imagine nothingness because you're framing the nothingness from some kind of point of view in your mind, right? I guess, however confusing or frustrating this existence is that we're all living, the one thing it does demonstrate is that there is something. Something exists in the totality of everything. The universe, the cosmos, whatever you want to call it. Something exists. There is not a uniform mass of nothingness. There's, there's somethingness. But what I'm interested in that that thing that happens in like in my mind when I think about it there's a certain point as you're thinking and it just there's a feeling that's associated with trying to imagine an entire an entirety that contains nothingness. That there is nothing at all. We're talking about like totalities like uh I mean, we can sort of talk about it. The thing that is everything. The th right? Talking about the totality of existence. But again, it's so frustrating because we're conceiving of it as like a thing. Uh, but that in the totality of everything... The future, the past, every kind of space, every kind of thought, every kind of everything that could exist, right? That what we're experiencing right now in the moment is part of that, right? Undeniably, if there is this, a set of all things that exist, or could ever have existed or will exist at any level, in any frame of reference that this moment right now is part of that which demonstrates there is somethingness and not nothingness but that this one moment as I'm recording and walking down the sidewalk completely obliterates any possibility that there is complete nothingness right because this is somethingness. But then, when you think about it, imagining an entirety of everything that contains nothing, it just gives me a weird feeling. It's a weird kind of process in the mind. 
how could something exist? But it does. Again, no matter whatever this is, it's a computer simulation we're living in, it's an illusion, it's a virtual reality, it's a construct. Looking through a glass onion. Yes. Got to bring it back to the Beatles. But yeah, I, say, I really can't put it into words like that. And I can't really reproduce it necessarily, but when I'm naturally thinking about this topic, there's a certain perception that happens that's very strange. Trying to imagine nothingness. Good morning. It's the next day now. I'm on my porch. And it is raining out here. Listen to this. Yeah. So when I got home last night, I checked Google Stadia, the streaming video game service, uh, when yesterday was the shutdown date. Uh, I definitely used Stadia. Uh, I, I had a few games on there. They issued refunds for everything. Um, so I checked in and uh, they, they had uh, one last trick up their sleeve. They released this like uh, this game called Worms or something. Not like the other Worms. The, uh, it was like a test game. I guess, I guess it was their, their first internal test uh, sort of a rudimentary, you know, like that snake game where you move around and you eat the fruit and you try not to run into yourself. They're like our first and last game, uh, Worms or whatever. And so I played that for about two minutes before it annoyed me. And uh, that was it, my last session on on uh, on Stadia. I mean, I bought a few games on there. I was I joined up the, the premium system and I, I canceled it. And, hey, I got all my money back or a lot of my money back. Um... And then I went there this morning, and it just says closed, shut down, no more worms game. You know, it was kind of fun while it lasted. I did have uh, Cyberpunk uh, twenty ninety nine on there. Was that the name twenty ninety nine? Whatever, you know the Cyberpunk game. I played it a lot on there, but you know I was kind of done with it anyway. I did my Google takeout, uh, so I saved all my game saves and stuff. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to do anything with it. I think I've moved on from those games. I don't, I, and and the thing is, the um, Ubisoft, any games that were from Ubisoft that were uh, on there, they they transferred over to uh, my Ubisoft account. So all is all was not lost. And my uh, controllers, of which I have, I have two, but then I think I have a third one. I have like an unopened box of uh, Stadia stuff. I think they sent it for free. You can you can convert them to uh, to to work on Bluetooth, so those controllers are not dead. You can actually still use them. So I'll have to convert them over to Bluetooth and see if I can do that. They're really good controllers. I mean, physically speaking, it's a really nice design. So yeah, the, but the controllers were designed to go over Wi-Fi, that made them faster, right? Um, but yeah, it was such a failure as a product. I mean, I really think that. The way that they modeled the um, 
the service was just all wrong. I mean, like, um, right? I think what everyone assumed it was going to be was sort of like Netflix, but for games, right? So they have a library of games that could be changing all the time, perhaps. And you pay a monthly fee, and you can play all the games. Kind of like Netflix, right? So that means that people are paying every month, and if they stop paying, well, they can't use the service. And then if they pay again, they can use the service and the games that are on there. But they chose a different path, which was to play a game on Google Stadia, you have to buy it. You buy it once. You know, you may pay it on sale for $20. And now you can play the game forevermore without paying them any more money. So someone might buy a game or two, and now Google has to pay for all of the services. They have to, whenever you play a game on Stadia, they have to fire up one of their servers somewhere in the world and play to play the game. And you just paid once. You paid 20 bucks once, whatever. And now you can pay for play forever, right? Gee, what could go wrong with that? I mean, so it's really not a good service for, on, for, from their perspective, right? They also had the the pro subscription, where you would you would get access to you could claim certain pro games, and you could only play it while you're on the pro subscription. So that was sort of more what I'm talking about. But uh, by them, I think by them uh, offering this thing where you buy a game and now you can have a forever access to it, which costs them money, right? And I canceled that pro after a while. I wasn't using those games. I'm like, listen, I just got a couple games. I paid a few bucks for them. And forevermore, I'll get to play f- play for free. I paid for them, but I play, play for free. Just like when you, just like when you have like a, a home console and you buy a, like, remember you used to buy cartridges? You pay once and you play it forever. But it doesn't cost the company more money. If I bought an Atari and I bought a cartridge, right? Now it's in my possession and I'm using it. It's not costing the company money every time I play a game. I don't know why they chose that business plan. I really don't. Because I can absolutely imagine where... I, I really think that uh, a service where it's like, you can play any of these games, but you got to pay 10 bucks a month, something like that. I think that would have been very uh, very tempting, you know? And, and it would be something where they don't have these... They don't have this... They're not building up this burden of all these people that are going to play games for years and years that, right, literally cost... Probably costing them hundreds and hundreds of dollars in server and 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 uh transmission fees and just they just paid like 20 bucks you know and everyone when it started a couple years ago they're like listen google has a terrible track record they start these things and then they shut them down so don't even get involved people are like no this time google's gonna really no well a couple years later it's done shut down yeah what's the other the other big game i had in there was uh trials rising the game where you're on like a motorbike and you go, go through, through these courses. That's a good game too. So I guess I think that's Ubisoft. So I think I got that one back. But I, I don't know if I got my save, my game save back. I don't know. Cyberpunk, I, I don't have, I would have to rebuy it. And I mean, I liked Cyberpunk, but you know, I, I had enough Cyberpunk, I think. <laughs> I had enough of Cyberpunk. I think it was a premium game. It cost like 60 bucks. But I got refunded for that. And uh, I think I had my fun. Uh, I'll move on to other games now. Yes, yes. <laughs> anyway, this morning in the shower, 
I, I was not thinking about existence like I was uh, the previous day. Uh, I, w- I was thinking about uh, the Overnightscape 20th anniversary coming up soon in a little over two months. And uh, amazingly, the Overnightscape episode 2000 is going to land on the exact day. I had to f- I had to mess with it just very slightly, but it's landing on the exact day, March 27th. 2023 is the 20th anniversary of the very first ep- released episode of the Overnightscape. Um, so I was thinking of, in the shower, I'm thinking, how? What am I going to do for this? Um, so I think it's all going to be about episode 2000, right? Which is on the actual 20th anniversary. And uh, I decided it might be a good idea to set up a, a phone number so people can leave voicemail messages. Uh, for the 20th anniversary show. So I, 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 I looked into it, and I was trying to figure out, you know, some, some cool phone number for this, for this particular use. I was thinking, you know, it was 209, yeah, yeah, whatever, 209 is kind of cool, but what about something related to the Overnight Escape 20th anniversary? So I was in, I, I had completely forgotten, but I do have a Google Voice account, but I didn't have a number associated with it anymore. I think I used to have a call in number on the show. It's been so long, I hardly remembered, but it looks like it's free. I don't have to pay anything for this to take incoming messages. Free is good, <laughs> you know. Hey, so Google Stadia is closing down. Now I'm reactivating my Google Voice account, see? So... I was looking at different numbers, and I figured, how about ONS? You know, a, a lot of times I will shorten Overnightscape to ONS 20th, right? 20TH. So you know how you uh, you can type when you when you put a phone number in. There's letters, right? <laughs> they do. They still do have those letters, right? Okay. It's been such a long time. Telephony has changed so much. Here we go. Yes, on my phone. Yes, if you go to dial number, you do see the letters underneath each one. So I'm like, how about ONS 20th? That would be 667, right? ONS, because 6 has MNO, so 667, right? That's ONS, okay? And then 20th would be 20TH, 2084. 667, 2084. I'm like, there's no way that number's going to be available on Google Voice. Come on. I typed it in, and it's available. It's available. But it was a, it's a California number, but I got it anyway. So it's 949-667-2084, right? Nine four, I think it's a, it's a Los Angeles area, so, Southern California. But anyway, I had to get it. I had to get it. So the number is 949 This is a regular phone number. You can call it on your phone and leave the message. It's already set up. You can do it right now. Please do. I'm going I I have a, a temporary message. Let's we'll actually leave a message live here on the show. I'm going to update the message, but let's let's do it right now. Let me just dial 949, right? Uh oh look, Jerry from SoCal. His his number is in that same uh, area code. Wow. ONS, which is 667-20th-20-TH-84. 949-667-2084. Here we go. Let's call this number and see what happens here. 
Hello, welcome to the Overnightscape 20th Anniversary Voicemail System. Please leave your message. Hey, congratulations, Frank, on 20 years of the Overnightscape. I am you. I am Frank. I'm recording uh, episode uh, 1983 right now, so we have a ways to go before episode 2000, but I figured get get a, get a, get a, uh, get a head start and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. All right, bye. See, and so this is, and I, I really like, it does feel kind of like a cool old school thing to do, but I also know a lot of people have trouble recording stuff and sending it in. It's, and I think just having a phone number may be cool. So this is my first time pu- publicizing it, but I want to try to get the word out, and I'll play all the messages on episode 2000, which could be a very long episode. We don't know. It could be uh, the longest episode ever. I don't know. Uh the um, I was actually really amazed because when I thought of this, I had no. I was thinking, wait a minute, I'm in the 1980s in terms of the show numbers. Is it possible episode 2000 will fall in the same area? And it does. So the way I reorganized it, so um, if I if I left everything as it is, doing two shows a week, it would be um, it would come on around the 21st. But considering there's a very special sequence to the beginning of the Overnightscape, which is the actual very first day was uh, that day, March 13th, 2003. When I woke up in the morning, there was no Overnightscape. I went to work. On my way home, I was thinking about uh, doing a show. And I wrote down on my Palm Pilot uh, a monologue show, whatever. Uh, and the two ideas for the name I had were Night Scans. And then I'm like, The Overnightscape. I did, came up with it and then literally went home, recorded that first test show. It, all within a few hours, the show came into being, right? This was Thursday night. My wife had a bowling league. So she was, she, she was out Thursday night. So it was a great time to do the show. A week later, on March 20th, 2003, I, uh, I did a second test episode that I didn't feel was quite ready for prime time. Finally, on the 27th, third time's a charm, I recorded an episode which became the Overnightscape number one. And those test episodes I, ha- did, I released many years later. And now, of course, they're, they're in there. But. So it's like a three-week process. So I decided I'll just do one show a week for those three weeks. And that makes 2000 fall exactly on you know that's like the Monday so I mean I do two shows a week you know the first show could be Monday Tuesday whatever Wednesday anyway that's how I that's how I sorted it out so please leave your message I'm going to be uh, promoting this more on, on every episode 949 ONS 20th right just remember the two zero is a zero the zero two zero is zero not O. okay I know everything gets confusing, but nine four nine ONS twentieth. Nine four nine six six seven two oh eight four. That is the number. Leave your message, leave multiple messages. Uh I'm, I'm you know, uh I'm I'm still trying to figure out the right wording, you know, let us know who you are. Uh and when you when you first started listening to the overnight escape and what are some of your favorite overnight escape memories and tell us a little bit something about yourself or something like that, you know. Uh hopefully there's two months. Let's have a lot of messages. Call multiple times, you know. 
Maybe call when you're going on some sort of weird adventure and, and call us from the adventure. It could be fun. Let's do it. The Overnightscape 20th Anniversary Voicemail System. All right. Back inside here. And uh, let's see how that message... Uh, let's see if it got that message I just sent. Let's see. Transcription not available. What the heck? Is this the message I just sent? Hey, congratulations, Frank, on 20 years of the Overnightscape. I am you. I am Frank. I'm recording uh, episode uh, 1983 right now. So we have a ways to go before episode 2000, but I figured get get a, get a uh, get a head start, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. All right, bye. See, I kind of like how it sounds, kind of lo-fi and kind of low-tech and stuff. So yeah, let me. I, I I wrote a little script for myself to uh, record a new a new message. <clears throat> Let's do it right now. See, you're, you're hearing like the behind the scenes of uh, of, of the new Overnightscape twentieth uh, anniversary voicemail system. It feels so much like something from the earlier days of the show, right? It has that kind of vibe. All right, how do we uh, how do we set up the? Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Let's see. Where's my voice? Record a greeting. Here we go. Okay. <coughs> Here we go. <coughs> we have to uh, get prepared here to record the uh, official, the proper greeting. <coughs> okay, here we go. <coughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm trying to get ready here. Hey, hey. No, I, I didn't start it right. I have a little battery on here. I better change the batteries first. Hold on a second. Uh, hold on. Here we go. Hi, this is Frank. Welcome to the Overnightscape 20th Anniversary Voicemail System. I don't like how that started off. Let me try it again. Redo. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hi, this is Frank. Welcome. See, I don't, I don't know how that. I don't like how that sounds. Hi, this is. Hi, this is Frank. Yeah, something like that. Better, right? All right, here we go. Hi, this is Frank. Frank. Why don't I don't. Hi, this is Frank. <laughs> like I'm second guessing myself. Urgh. So annoying. Hi, this is Frank. Welcome to the Overnightscape 20th Anniversary Voicemail System. Leave a message that will be played on the 20th Anniversary episode, March 27th, 2023. Fuck. <laughs> ah! All right, once more. Hi, this is Frank. Welcome to the Overnightscape 20th Anniversary Voicemail System. Leave a message that will be played on the 20th Anniversary episode, March 27th, 2023. Let us know who you are, how you discovered the show, and some of your favorite memories from the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the adventures you've had inspired by the show. Call in multiple times. Multiple fuck. <laughs> All right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop and I'm going to I'll play once I go through this a million more times, I'll play you my final All right, let's see how this one worked. All right, here we go. Hi, this is Frank. 
Welcome to the Overnightscape 20th Anniversary voicemail system. Leave a message that will be played on the 20th anniversary episode, March 27th, 2023. Let us know who you are, how you discovered the show, and some of your favorite memories from the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and the adventures you've had inspired by the show. Call in multiple times. Call in while you're on an adventure. We can't wait to hear from you. I think that'll work. <laughs> I'm second guessing myself. All right, maybe, maybe I'll try another take. I, 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 you know, I cannot just like read stuff and make it sound natural, but I wanted to include all this stuff. Urgh. Okay. After a lot of effort, I think I got it. Hit check, check it out. Hi, this is Frank. Welcome to the Overnightscape 20th Anniversary Voicemail System. Leave a message that will be played on the 20th Anniversary episode, March 27, 2023. Tell us a little bit about yourself, how you discovered the Overnightscape, and some of your favorite memories from the show. Feel free to call in multiple times. We'd love to hear from you while you're on an adventure of your own. Yeah, it's not perfect, but I think it'll do. It'll do for now. Yeah, because I think it'd be cool if you want to call in like while while you're on some sort of adventure, while you're on a trip, or you're in some cool place. Just call into the uh, 20th anniversary line. You know, I think I think it can work out. I think it'll be cool. Please call. Thank you. All right, let's check this out here. Yeah, let me read you like what I wrote yesterday that inspired today's show episode title. I just I just started writing this one uh, just on a whim. So here's here's what I have. Though Photomat, sorry, though Photomat as a castle and the road down, the dream of rants in mundane spaces, pouring discontinued flavors into the system. <laughs> that's the whole thing. So that's where I got that uh, title from, and the uh, the show art. Let me load it up here. I was playing around with a bunch of stuff, and I got to the uh, <clears throat> the show art you see here. I'm using that font. Um, what's this called? Magic Carpet, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I played around this morning with a lot of uh, different ideas typographically, but finally got to what you see here. Pouring discontinued is like a red and purple alternated colors and then flavors into the system. There's black bars on the left and right, big black gray area in the middle. And in the middle there is, is, is a, a window looking into a business. This is something I would always see from the bus. In fact, you can see the bus in the reflection, actually. Um, so I'm sitting there in the back of the bus. I took this picture a number of years ago. It's, sort of, it's like the, uh, the lobby or the, the, uh, the office of the, uh, the rent-a-car place in uh, Lyndhurst. I think it's such a cool image. Especially how it sort of isolated the window there. There's, it's interesting because there's like natural sunlight coming in, just like the last show art I did. Um, a lot of reflections going on. There's actually <coughs> a mirror <coughs> on the other side of the room. So you see, I know you also see reflections from outside. There's a lot going on here, so <laughs> somehow it all works. <coughs> and I use that uh, at the very bottom. It says audio leisure system. That's a phrase I use sometimes. That's a cosmos. Extra bold, I believe. Um, made italic and and stretched out. And on the top it says Radio Undefined, established 1999. That's in reference to how Bluff Cosm technically started in 1999. And that, through a series of stages, led to the Overnightscape and the Overnightscape Underground. 
Anyway, there's the whole story of the show art. Anyway, on to another topic. The Mini Freak V. Mini Freak V. Um, as you know, I've always been fascinated by synthesizers, but I've really, in recent years, been trying to limit myself to not go down that direction. It's one of my um, great interests in life, but it's something I have to sort of set aside because there's only so many hours in the day. So, one of the latest synthesizers from Arturia is the Mini Freak. And uh, when this came out, they also announced there was a Mini Freak V, which was a, 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 a computer based version of the same synthesizer. And uh, at first, you only could get the the computer-based one if you bought the actual synthesizer, which is like $600. But now they have just released Mini Freak V uh, separately. And because I have at one point bought something from them, I think I bought a demo version of one of their programs. I'm going to get like a discount. I could buy this for $69, but I don't know if I really I – I want to get the free demo first. Let's see. Let me get the free demo and then see if it's worth buying. I, I know I just said I don't want to be, but I, I use it, I use, I would only use it to, maybe the demo will be enough. I don't know. I only, I would only use it to make uh, probably like Polar Lion music for the other side, you know, with those old piano rolls using Reason. Let me see. Let me see if I can get this set up. Mini Freak V. Okay, let's see. Run in demo mode. Save, load, import, export, or disable. The demo is limited to 20 minutes. Oh, interesting. Ooh, stop, stop, stop. It's not working. Something's not working. Now, wait a minute. What happened there? That didn't sound good. It's mini freak. Come on. All right, let's see. Maybe I go to the settings. If I try to play one note. Ah! Yeah, yeah. No, it's a rather obnoxious noise. All right. Well, as often is the case with this audio stuff, you got to do a lot of troubleshooting. I don't know what I did to fix it, but... Let's see. How do I get the sequencer going? Let's see. Is it like a start-stop thing here? Or? I don't know. Sorry, I I I have get to, I haven't gotten the, gotten the gist of this thing. I need to get the hang of it. I don't know. Seems pretty crappy. I don't know if this is a good synthesizer. I, I mean, I know I'm not using it right. All right, let me try to let me try to use it inside of Reason and see what's going on here. Reason. I have Reason Light Ten, a very old, outdated version of reason, but it should work. 
you have a bunch of piano rolls of old music that I play through the synthesizer to create songs for the other side. So we'll see. Let's see. Add MIDI. Import MIDI file, okay. I just randomly chose something called Bohemia Rag, right? Let's see as it plays. Right. That's with a built-in, and let's see now if we can add the Mini Freak. Alright, I got it in there, and I had just let me just drag the uh the MIDI down to there. And let's see what happens. Sounds rather nightmarish. What's going on? No, come on, I gotta fix it. There we go. Okay, come on, come on. something that has multiple, uh, you know, polyphony, not this one, you know. Yeah, no. <laughs> what is going on? something with polyphony though like this one you know with multiple notes that's pretty that's pretty uh <laughs> pretty creepy <laughs> I even need to buy this. I can just use it like this and just, right? I don't have to save anything. I could just use it as. Is that right though? Should I do it that or? I, yeah, I don't think this is the right use for this particular synthesizer. That's good. Is there a polyphony section? I mean, oh, come on. Oh, that's kind of cool. 
Oh, poly mode, okay. Jeez. Like this one, if I change it to poly. Okay, there you go. See, I'm learning. I'm learning. That sounds rather cacophonous, though. Oh, wow, that sounds nice. Patch is called six six six. Something's kind of cool with that one. Classic Alucard, Dracula backwards. I don't know, none of this stuff really sounds good, you know. <laughs> Talk about Atari 2600, that's what it sounds like. That's kind of cool, though. What the hell is going on? This one. It's pretty wild. Right? That sounds pretty cool. How many presets are there? Oh, you know, <laughs> I was looking at the wrong. There's so many cool presets here. How about a harpsichord? fiddling with this, see what we come up with. Alright, I'm saving out. I figure I have to save it before the 20 minutes is up, right? See how it sounds. Saving out a, uh, a version here. What was the... Uh... 
I'm trying to see what was the uh, the patch I was using. Sounded pretty good. Almost there. Here we go. Saving it out. <laughs> All right. It was like this. But it should sound better when I saved it out. It wouldn't have all that crackling and stuff. Uh, Neo Koto is the name of the patch. All right, let's see how that let's see how that sounds. Let me just open it up in an audio editor. All right, let's see how this sounds. Error. Oh, I have to. I know. To close out this program before I can use the other program. okay, right? It's not really... It sounds good, but not great. It's kind of boring, but it's just, I mean, this, I just, the sound is alright. set that one aside. It's not worth uh, worrying about. <sighs> anyway, thank you. So something else I was thinking of, I don't know how realistic it would be, but if I could uh, see if my old equipment for doing the overnightscape uh, is still, I know I still have it in the garage. I wonder if it would still work. If I could set up the old equipment, the mixing board, the uh, the channel strip, like the Joe Meek channel strip, the old microphone. I should see if I could get all this stuff to work. I think that's pretty much all I need, right? Of the original equipment. That'd be cool to do shows with the original equipment. And the Mad Player, of course. I wonder if I could do that. I mean, I have two months to set up, so. So I would do those three episodes, you know, using the old equipment. Yes, more plans for the 20th. So as you may know, there's uh, for a few weeks now we've been doing the Beatles as a topic on the Central, and um, I mentioned on the the first episode that uh, you know I love their first movie, A Hard Day's Night. I've actually rewatched it recently. I honestly think it's one of the best movies ever made. It's perfect from beginning to end, endlessly quotable. Uh, everything about it, the pacing, the style, everything is perfect. It is an incredible movie. Uh, when it comes to Help, that was from 64. So 65, Help came out. See, this was now in color. Hard Day's Night was in black and white. And I recall seeing Help a long time ago, and I felt that it was pretty bad and nowhere near on the level of A Hard Day's Night. But PQ asked me, uh, you know, he said I, maybe I should reconsider it and rewatch it. So I have rewatched Help by the Beatles. And I have to say that uh, I, I still have the same exact opinion. I think Help is really pretty terrible as a movie. Help is basically, if you were thinking about the Beatles cynically, oh, these pop stars, what kind of stupid movie are they going to make? That is exactly what Help is. It has very few saving graces. And the fact that it's, it has to be compared to the previous movie uh, if it is completely falls apart and fails compared to the original, the first movie. Um, the first movie was so genuine; it was really based on 
It was based on real life event, a real life event, the Beatles going to tape a TV show, right? And there was some light surrealism in terms of the things that happened, you know, some sight gags and, you know, some fun stuff. But otherwise, it felt very genuine. And the dialogue was very snappy, very crisp and just really amazing. Um, Help, on the other hand, uh, the storyline is extremely tiresome. There's a group of uh, Indian, there's a Indian cultists who are trying to get the ring off Ringo's finger or they want to sacrifice him. And they they travel all around. There's also a mad scientist and his assistant also chasing them. Um, it feels, you know, first of all, the whole plot and the whole concept is is very annoying and not interesting. The Indian cult and especially the cult leader is is just unpleasant and and not not fun at all. Um, yeah, overall, I just feel that it's it's a big mess. I think my initial though I I know I saw it, but you know, and I have to say it's not a very memorable movie. Uh, I'm sure I saw it, but again, I think I still feel the same way. And I was reading the reviews, and the reviews are much kinder to it than I than I am. The one great thing, of course, is seeing the Beatles at that time period especially Paul and there's a bunch of uh especially when they're playing music right you can look at Paul and see that's 65 so that's the original Paul um I know almost everyone I talk to about the Paul is dead thing they say I've seen all the images it's the same person the more I look at this stuff, the more I, I it's obvious to me it's a different person, just visually looking at them. And I know that this is something that, you know, most people, they don't believe Paul was replaced because how could it happen, right? I'm just talking about looking at the face. Facial recognition is is a, a complex thing. We look at someone and we see, oh, that's that person, right? And there's a lot of incredibly good footage of Paul in this movie. And uh, it, it just sort of adds to the whole thing. But the movie itself is really bad and uh, shockingly so. I, th- I think it really it's, it's a miracle the first movie was so good. This seems to be just a big mess of sort of a cynical oh let's make a movie in color with the Beatles and with it, it felt like there was no no one at at the helm no one sort of guiding things along so anyway that's exactly what I thought it would be but yeah it's interesting though that Victor Spinetti as the mad scientist mentioned something about sand it gets everywhere <laughs> just like that famous quote from Attack of the Clones Anakin says I hate sand it gets everywhere. What's <laughs> so weird? <coughs> Both movies have that that line in it. But anyway, I'm glad I rewatched it just so so I have sort of an updated opinion on it. But yeah, no, it's it's not good. I would absolutely stick to uh, definitely if you haven't seen it, check out a Hard Day's Night. All these movies are like they're on like the Internet Archive. They just for free. You could just find them. Help. I need somebody. All the music is great, though, of course. All right. Let's check out uh, Wired Magazine from 
September 1996. I love, love, love looking at all the old magazines on the Internet Archive. And this one, let's check out the cover here. This is the first annual Tired Wired 100. So this was a feature where they would say, you know, one thing is tired, the other thing is wired. And it became this big list. Let's see, on the cover, some graphics from the Tired Wired 100. Let's see. Here's an ad for doers. It's not so much the chat room as it is the sitting home alone by yourself part that concerns us. <laughs> really, doers is concerned about that. Polo Sport. Samsung can Samsung camcorders. Yes, camcorders were a thing back in the day. Still in '96, camcorders. The compact Armada 4100. <coughs> See, I used to look at these ads and like, oh my god, I wish I had that computer. I wish I had that thing. It's it's hard to have techno lust anymore because, you know, everything kind of does the same thing. You know, you upgrade your computer or your phone every so often, but it's not like back then where there was this incredibly cool technology that was too expensive. You can never afford it. Was this Tommy Jeans? Was this say in a democratic society, it's dangerous for elected officials to ignore the body politic? But what if it has been driven mad by television? What if the duties of citizenry have been abandoned by most of those who are still sane? That's a quote from John Perry Barlow. Didn't he work with the Grateful Dead as well? Let's go ahead here. Oh, look, there's an ad for the uh, iOmega Jazz Drive. Yes. One gigabyte removable disks. That was big. I used to use Jazz quite a bit at work. J-A-Z. Jazz Drive. See all this stuff. This was all of these things were just like brief moments in history. You can get a thirty-day free trial of Eudora, the internet's most powerful email software. <coughs> Anything else good here? Hardwired. What was that? What was it? Didn't they have a search engine or a website called Hotwired? I used to love Wired magazine. Somehow I'm subscribed to it again after I unsubscribed. Because we were subscribing to Entertainment Weekly, and that got canceled, the print edition. So they switched us back to Wired. I can't get away from this magazine. Can't get away. All right, let's go, let's go to the Tired Wired 100. <clears throat> Look at this ad. Into the flood again. Allison Chains unplugged. Nice. I don't know if I saw Alice in Chains Unplugged. I did like them. A rare concert appearance is captured in this 74-minute recording featuring 12 startling new versions from Alice's back pages and one new track, The Killer Is Me. Unplugged contains music not available in the on the MTV broadcast. Wow. <clears throat> is that on, like, uh, YouTube? Can we just watch, like, Alice in Chains Unplugged? I'm sure, right? No, I'm getting distracted. <laughs> Alice in Chains. Unplugged. Let's see. Is it good? Uh, yeah. No, I need the video, not the album. Get out of here. I want to see videos. Nutshell, that's a good song, right? Let's see. 
Hello? Oh, it's an ad. Shut up. Yeah, this is a good song. Brooklyn Academy of Music, Majestic Theater. I remember this song. Ninety-six, baby. I remember the guys I worked with. They were big Alice in Chains fans, and uh, they saw one of the members of the band at a. Uh, a hockey game and we're like talking to him they're like we love your music man or something like there's some song that they really liked that other people didn't like or something who's that lean staley i know one of them died right i'm not a huge i'm not hugely into them but i do like their music so this is the beginning j smith's printed lies i'm looking at the lyrics i don't know we face the path of time. Good stuff. All right, let's continue with the magazine. Joey, it looks very good. MTV Unplugged looks very good. Very good indeed. Where's my magazine? I need my magazine. Ah, oh, here it is. Thank you. Any of the good uh, ads in here? 96. <laughs> so this is all stuff, uh, you know, the, uh, the tired and wired. It's all stuff. Hold on. I got to go to page 156. Let me fast forward here. This is all stuff that uh, one thing is like old and one thing is new. So here we go. <clears throat> it started out an afterthought, an office joke as we closed our first issue. It's since snuck up and become a signature feature, and perhaps, sometimes, hopefully, the most controversial thing we do. We figure anything's worth doing, worth doing is worth doing to excess. Here's the tired, wired list on steroids. We hope you love, hate it as much as we did making it. So the first one is tired is Pathfinder, and wired is Pathfinder. So I guess Pathfinder was some kind of like website, and the Pathfinder was that Mars thing. Great. Tired Sonny Bono. Wired Sonny Bono. They're not all like this. They're not all the same thing. But I guess Sonny Bono as a musician versus Sonny Bono as a uh, politician. I don't know if this is before or after he tried. To, he did like extend all those copyrights. And then he s skied into a tree and died after ruining the copyright stuff. Um, here we go. Tired, Dennis Rodman. Wired, Cheryl Swoops. I guess Dennis Rodman, he was dressing up in those outrageous costumes and stuff was annoying people. I guess Cheryl Swoops was a basketball player. I don't know. Tired, Discover Card. Wired, Chip Nip Card. No idea what that is. Uh, tired, Shrink Wrap. Wired, Download. I guess that's back, that's back when you used to buy software in like a box. Remember you had a cardboard box with your software inside of it? And you open it up, you had your CD-ROMs and your instruction manuals. No one does that anymore. You just download it. Let's see. Tired Janet Reno. Wired Stuart Dalzell. Again, I, I remember Janet Reno was the, uh, was she the attorney general or something? 
I don't know who Stuart Dalzell is. I'm not going to read these little articles. Tired velociraptors wired in sectors. So I guess the computer animated <coughs> dinosaurs from Jurassic Park and then what are insectors? Some sort of insect cartoon. <laughs> Listen, what's wrong with these people in 1996? Who even knows what this stuff is anymore? Tired modeling avatars. Wired breeding avatars. Oh, like, I, what are they, sort of creating avatars using some sort of generative system? Tired Hummers. Wired Hummer Windblad. Don't know about that. That's the wired card. Tired Doom. Wired Duke Nukem 3D. <coughs> Tired NSA. Wired Eli Byhum. Byhum. All these people, like, you had to, yeah, I guess you had to be there to know this stuff. So here's a bunch of tired wireds, okay? Indian software tired, Israeli software wired, okay? Tired acid jazz, wired classic jazz. Are they tired of acid jazz already? Tired polygons, wired voxels, really? Here's one that's very interesting. Tired Newton, wired pilot. So I guess the Palm Pilot was on the rise back then after Apple's uh, Newton which really was a good idea. It was a bit premature, though, right? The Apple, it was like, essentially like a smartphone. Newton was just much, much, a, little, a bit too early. But I, I loved the Palm Pilot back then. Let's see. Tired court system wired virtual magistrate project, whatever. <laughs> Tired firewalls wired secure networks. Tired serial killer movies, wired natural disaster movies. Well, unfortunately, the serial killer thing is just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I, I lament that uh, so many people are so fascinated with serial killers. I, I find that I find the serial killer thing very, very tired, just like they do. But I don't want to go back to natural disaster movies like uh, the Towering Inferno. That's not natural, though. Um, well, there were those movies, you know, like a volcano. Everyone gets killed in a volcano. Whatever. Let's see. T tired Bigfoot wired La Chupacabra. Yeah, I remember back then the, uh, I think it was more Puerto Rico's uh, Chupacabra as a sort of a weird creature in cryptozoology. Yeah, great. A tired Jolt wired Water Joe. I remember this. Remember Jolt Cola, which came, it, it was discontinued and came back like three or four times, and now I think it's gone again. Water Joe was Water with caffeine in it. Great. That's actually pretty cool. I like that, that logo. It's so 90s. I want some Water Joe. I wonder if there's any... L let me see if there's any Water Joe available anywhere. So No, I don't want to get distracted by this list. I want to, I want to just get through the list. I think it's interesting. I, like going, I always like going back to the 90s. What? It still, it's still, it still exists. Wait, what? Water Joe is still... It's still available, but their their logo is much less exciting. They they got rid of their uh, '90s logo, but you can still get it. The hell, I, I, there's no there's no chance in hell I would have thought this product would still be around. <coughs> I haven't seen it anywhere. Water Joe, hmm. calling coffee Joe. It's, it's, I don't think people call it Joe. Give me a cup of Joe. I think people were really fascinated in the 90s of said, oh, hey, give me a cup of Joe. <laughs> All right, how about Water Joe Vintage? Water Joe Vintage, Vintage logo. 
Can I get like a 96 model? Water Joe vintage bottle. That's a good collectible. Beverage collectors. Yeah, look, look. Oh, it's only on Flickr, but someone has a German version of the uh, very 90s logo. I, I, that's, I, it's sort of, I like that. Uh, I know that font. Ugh. Wasser mit Kick. Water with a kick. What does mit mean with? Well, look, the Washington Post even did an article about it. It is a paradox in a bottle, now available in stores. Caffeinated water. It seems like an inspired invention to me, frankly, says Mary Ellen Glynn, a deputy, a deputy press secretary at the White House. She first said, why, what? Anything people at the White House about water? What is going on in 96? She first sampled a brand of caffeinated water named Water Joe while in San Diego for the second presidential debate, then spent the rest of the campaign vainly searching through eyes heavy from lack of sleep for more. No calories, Glenn explains. Good for your teeth, keeps your heart pumping. Uh, wow, I... So politicians love Water Joe so they can stay up and do more politicking. Great. All right, let's continue, shall we? I, I, see, I knew certain things on this list would derail me and get me off these uh, on different tangents. Let's see. Tired slate wired feed. I guess they're different, like, websites or something. Was slate like a, a – I think it was a website. I barely remember that. I kind of remember feed as well. Tired MTV Wired, the History Channel. Okay. Tired Matt Mahurin Wired, James Porto. No idea. Tired Leica and the Cosmonauts Wired Leica. Bands, maybe? I probably would have known more of these things back in the day. Tired Offshore Banking, Wired Offshore Homesteading. And some of these have little articles uh, associated with them, but I, I don't want to read them. You can read them yourself. You can get this on the Internet Archive. So, so offshore homesteading. Yeah, all right. Uh, tired, Steve Case, AOL. Wired, Dan Case, H&Q. No. Tired, MicroTAC. Wired, StarTAC. Some sort of cell phone network. Tired, high bandwidth. Wired, low latency. Okay. Tired Sandra Bullock. I agree with that. Even They were even tired of her back then. Please. But what's the wired one? Oh, Liv Tyler. <laughs> Great. Uh, I think she's tired at this point, too. But anyway. Tired Diamanda Galas. What? I got into her a little bit over the years. Wired, the Tuvan throat singing. Yes, the throat singing monks. Yeah, people were into that, I remember, in the 90s. Uh, tired, goth. Wired, swing. <laughs> right, there was that swing revival in the 90s. What was that movie? The, those guys I worked with in the 90s loved that movie um, with, uh, what's his name? It was about those people that were into swing. Oh, I can't remember. <sighs> they, they're like, let's go to Vegas, baby, Vegas. What was that guy's name? Anyway, you know you know who I'm talking about. Swingers. It was called Swingers. The movie Swingers. Yeah. Anyway, tired. The red he- the red herring. Wired. Business Week. 
Yeah, I remember Red Herring was like a tech tech business magazine. Tired, Olympics, Wired, Robot Wars. I think they still do some Robot Wars, right? There's still some Robot Wars shows where you just make these robots and they fight each other. Tired, Manhattan, Wired, Las Vegas. Eh, I don't know. I know people th- – I think that was when they were trying to turn Vegas into like a, an, a, like a family entertainment destination. It didn't work. They went back to being adult entertainment. All right? it, was, it was this time where they were trying to like make it into one big Disneyland. It didn't really fit their identity. Well, here's a good one. Tired, Thomas Edison, Wired, Nikola Tesla. Yeah. I think people were just learning more about Tesla's work back then. Tired John Dvorak, Wired Ned Brainerd. Again, these na- these people, we don't know who they are. Tired Nickelodeon, Wired Spike and Mike's Festival of Animation. What was that? I don't know. Uh, tired Marvel and DC Comics, Wired Fantagraphics. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I could see people being excited. I, I Yeah, excited. That Jimmy Corrigan, smartest boy in the universe, I found that stuff really annoying after a while, unfortunately. Chris Ware, no. Here's another list. Tired ATM, wired gigabit in Ethernet. <laughs> Tired National Education Association, wired Edison Project. Tired, I don't know what these things are. Why, tired KW Jeter. Wired, P.K. Dick. Wow, Philip K. Dick, of course. I don't know who the tired one is, though. What? Tired, MD5. Wired, SHA1. <laughs> uh, tired, consultants. Wired, permalancer. See, I was a permalancer for a number of years. I, I can get that. I was permalancing. Tired, picture tell. Wired, video net. Whatever. There's a lot of stuff happening in 96. You ever notice that? See what else we got here. Tired. Uh, Mind Extension University. Wired. Professor Norman Coombs. Okay. (laughs) Are you supposed to know who these people are? (coughs) Tired. GPS. Wired. GLONASS. Tired. Open heart surgery. Wired. Heart port surgery. Tired, Rocket Science, Wired, DreamWorks, SKG Interactive. See, I was Rocket Science was this. They had a cover story in, in Wired probably before this where they were considered the next big thing in video games, and they just completely crashed out. And they, what did they produce? Um, the Space Trucker game on Sega CD. Yeah, I don't think it really worked out very well. Uh, Dream, I don't know, DreamWorks, SKG, I don't know what they did, but I'm sure it was great. Tired, Dole, Clinton, Italia, Wired, none of the above. September 96. Oh, this is when Clinton was, was going against um, Dole and uh, that other guy there, um, uh, Ross Perot. Remember him? Yeah. I get, so September, so this, so this was before that election where Clinton won again, right? Yeah, he won. He beat Bob Dole. And Ross Perot. See, the candidates back then were much more boring, even though, uh, you know, Clinton had his own scandals and stuff, but nowhere near the bizarre candidates we've had lately. Tired Art Forum magazine. Wired World Art magazine. Great. 
Uh, tired DreamWorks SKG wired behavior. All right. <laughs> tired motion capture wired synthespians. I think that's a word they were using for like computerized actors, synthespians. Tired PowerBook wired ThinkPad 560. Those old laptops. Tired Sutomo Shimomura. Wired, Henry Masselin. Whatever. Tired, the three tenors. Remember that? I remember that. That thing with the three tenors, like these three opera guys, like people went apeshit for that. I don't really understand that. Everyone was talking about that for a while. I never saw it. Was it a TV show or a record? Wired, Anonymous 4. Tired, Walden Books. No, I have precious memories of Walden Books, which is no more. Wired, Amazon.com, okay. Amazon was real new back then, real, real young back then. Wow. Little did they, little did they know what was going to happen with Amazon. Tired, websites based on TV shows. Wired, TV shows based on websites. Here we go. Did we get to 100 yet? I love 1996. Tired, class action suits. Wired, Tort reform. Tired DKNY. Wired 26 red. Tired cynicism. Wired optimism. What the hell? The 90s were all about cynicism. Okay? Please. Optimism, please. Tired enhanced CDs. Wired 7-inch records. Tired blaming your parents. Wired, blaming the government. Oh, my God. It keeps going. Whoa, this just keeps going. Wow. Three more pages here. but I like it. All right, here we go. Tired, Robert Reich. Or R- Robert Reich. I remember him. He was in the Clinton administration. I, don't remember. I just remember Rush Limbaugh used to make fun of him. Wired, Robert Axtell and Joshua Epstein. Okay. Tired, after hours. Wired cocktail hour. Tired intranets. Wired internet. Yeah, the internet is pretty good, yeah. <laughs> tired gender bending. Wired gender hacking. <clears throat> tired Hollywood. Wired Hong Kong. Tired investing in online. Wired online investing. Tired baby bells, wired teen bells. Hey, ay ay. Tired sub pop, wired sub rosa. I know sub pop was a record company, a record label. Was that sub rosa also? And I don't know. Tired lawsuits, wired leisure suits. I think they're I think they're running out of steam at this point. <laughs> what the hell? This is almost incoherent. Tired the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, wired. Internet Patent News Service. I don't understand any of these. Tired third parties. Wired triple DES. Tired Social Security. Wired Social Security privatization. Okay. Let's see. Tired Al Gore. Well, of course, that guy's a big bummer. Wired Conrad Burns. Who? Tired 
Parenting Magazine, Wired, Hip Mama Magazine. You notice that like half of these things are like magazines. They're a magazine. They're like ripping on other magazines. Tired, Gargoyles action figures. Wired, Star Wars action figures. This was, this was at that time where there had been a big Star Wars dry spell since 83. Now we're in 96. 13 years later, they had to wait a couple more, a couple, three more years for the next Star Wars to come out, Phantom Menace. Let's see. <coughs> Tired, orbital telescopes. Wired, active optics telescopes. I don't know. Didn't they just do another space telescope? <coughs> Excuse me. Space telescope recently. Let me have some coffee here. Tired banner ads. Wired sponsorships. <coughs> uh, tired Moore's Law. Wired Moore's Second Law. That was the guy. Something about like the like the amount of RAM and disk space will double every every eighteen months or something. That did kind of stop working. Tired drug wars. Wired drug reform. Tired Ralph Nader. Wired Consumer Reports, another magazine. <laughs> the hell? Tired Alias, Wired Soft Image. Graphics companies. Tired Michael Graves, Wired Santiago Calatrava. These uh, architects. Tired Brett Leonard, Wired Mark DePay. <laughs> Tired David Brin, Wired Greg Egan. Who are these people? Tired federal agents, wired autonomous agents. <coughs> tired diminishing returns, wired exponential growth. Tired family research council, wired national research council. <laughs> Again, I don't think they had a hundred in them at the, at that point. Kitty, what's going on? What's going on, Mojo? What's going on, Mojo? Kitties. Uh, tired. Jean-Paul Gaultier. Wired. Jane Barnes. Uh, tired. Gallium arsenide. Wired. Silicon germanium. Tired. Inner city TV. Wired. Outer space TV. Kitty, what's going on? Mojo, come here. Come here, kitty. I think the kitties are just bored. Kitties, come on. Come on, kitties. <laughs> I'm doing the Tired Wired 100. Uh, tired Optical Lithography. Wired Extreme Ultraviolet Lithography. Listen, we're, we're getting there. We're getting towards the end here. Tired Wet Chemistry. Wired Dry Chemistry. Tired Price Costco. Wired CUC International. I don't know. Costco is still pretty good. Tired, Ken Aletta, Wired, David Farber. Tired, PC, Wired, NC. What the hell's an NC? Not a personal computer, a something, an NC? It shows like a, a weird, like, portable computer with like a tiny screen. Key. Mojo, what's the matter? Tired. Death of the Web, Wired, Death on the Web, okay? 
Tired herbal ecstasy wired bathtub absinthe. What? People fill their bathtubs with absinthe? That sounds incredibly, uh, yeah, incredibly expensive. That's it. That's it. We got through it. Yay. Yay. Tired wired 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, we we always think of the past. Look at the past with rose-colored glasses, but it was rather um, <clears throat> uh, incoherent at times. <laughs> yes. Um, wow! Look at this—a music review that was so influential on me. I bought the CD and I cut out the review, and it's still in the CD. Kitties. All right, let me open the window for you, even though it's cold out and rainy. I did not real. I didn't realize it was that issue. Um, <clears throat> I still listen to this album to this day because this review was so so influential on me. Whoa! Wait a second. What, what access codes? What is this? I guess you could stream the music or something. And look at this. The access, access code is 1209. I didn't even realize that. Now, wait a minute. The plot thickens. So this album is Voodoo by Robert Drasnan. Uh, let's see. <coughs> yeah, so I'll read the review. I know I've read this before on the show, but it was years ago. Uh for years, Cocktail Exotica, a la Martin Denier, Juan Esquivel, turned up only at garage sales. Then Rhino released a CD compilation of Denny's tunes, soon followed by Esquivel's rediscovery. The lounge music retro era and numerous bachelor pad compilations featuring Tiki Swing and other such 60s fluff. Yet one classic blue ice cube recording, Robert Drasnin's Voodoo, was nearly lost forever. Originally released as Percussion Exotique, Voodoo was a lark, conceived as a toss-off to cash in on the craze. It cycled quickly to the used stacks despite the quality of composition and execution. Its pieces comparable to the best Denny tunes. After its release, Drasden was tapped for arrangements on Denny's Great Latin Village, LP. The original master tapes slipped into the great void and the album might have been lost forever had someone not discovered a mint condition copy in a cutout bin. How good is Voodoo? I'm thinking every newborn child should be issued a copy. That line right there really, really got me. And I do agree with it. It's that good. Drasnin cuts through the Drasnin cuts through existential ennui and tells you the truth about paradise. The crazy coconut percussion of the title cut is worth the price of admission. Chant of the Moon features spectral vocals against harp, flute, and popping bass. You can hear the moonlight on the ocean, the waves washing the shore. Desiree feels, or is it just Desiree? Feels like you've joined Perez Prado on a glass-bottom boat. The percussionista's deep monkey walk vibes and ethereal echo driving its melody along down the river. And Enchantment closes this, the CD with a sonorous flute that washes you happily out to sea. Operating instructions. Before you play voodoo, take a long swim, get yourself a little sunburn, 
burn some incense and kick back with a pina colada. Oh, and don't forget the passion flower. Review by John Lebkowski. Wow. That's quite a uh, quite a review. Yeah. And um, there's more to the story. Kitties, what are you doing? Don't knock things over. No, no, don't knock that over, kitty. The kitties are being hyper. No, don't knock it over. Mojo has more of that knocking things off a table uh, instinct than, Mo- than Vegas has. Kitties, no. Um, yeah, let's check it out here. There, there, there were... There was, uh, because of what happened then in 96, Robert Drazen, Drazen himself uh, continued the series, right? So there's three. There's three uh, editions of the series now. Let me see. And I have two. I think I have number two on vinyl. Yeah, there's Voodoo, uh, Voodoo 2 and, and Voodoo 3. And Voodoo 3 was, like, finished by someone else. But, but of course, it's on streaming now, so here's how it starts. You can tell it's, yeah, they had to use an actual record because they lost a tape. So you get a little bit of that crackling. So you can check out all three. All right, let's just see anything else in this issue. There's a lot of a lot of fun stuff in this one issue. Who knew? Who knew what a great issue this was? What other music do they have here? Anything that I recognize? Tortoise, millions now living will never die. That was uh, the earlier Tortoise album. I think uh, it, TNT came out in ninety. I think in ninety eight or ninety nine. That that's their masterpiece. <clears throat> Microwave of the month, an album they hated. Men at Work contraband, the best of me- the best of Men at Work. They hated that. You're at a light beer bust at an unfamiliar house in the burbs. Someone who's imbibed one too many pulls out contraband, performs a clumsy air guitar dance in topsiders, and starts pelting the guests with Vegemite. Kid horror. Why do people hate Men at Work? I thought they were a great band. Oh, you, oh, you can call a number to hear the s- samples. You have to call a nine hundred number to hear samples of the uh, the records. Okay, that's kind of cool. Let's see. Anything else interesting in here? No, no. Devo presents Adventures of Smart Patrol. What was that? A CD-ROM? Vaguely remember that. MSNBC. Stim.com, whoring after 20-something since 1996. No IPO, no TV show. What was that all about? <clears throat> search for Bob Dole's Charisma on Hotbot. That was their search engine, Hotbot. <laughs> it was one of the early search engines. Search for OJ's Conscience on Hotbot. Wow. Search for the Pope's Maplethorpe Collection on Hotbot. Hmm. And here's an ad for Amazon.com. Wow. 16 books on male pattern baldness, 129 on hats. With over a million titles, 40 
times more than the average bookstore. You'll find everything you're looking for at Amazon.com Books, the online bookstore, everything. www.amazon.com, Earth's biggest bookstore. Wow, early days of Amazon. See, all these companies, I went out of business, and one of them, of course, you know, became the behemoth. Ooh, look, ma- an ad for Magic the Gathering. Control. There are people in, and things that want your allegiance. Imagination, intelligence are your freedoms. Spend your time wisely. Think about a game. Magic the Gathering is a card game of competition and strategy, limited only by the extent of your imagination. That also is still going these days. What is this? A movie called Synthetic Pleasures, a trippy, provocative tour through perfectly artificial worlds. It looks like a good movie. Let's try to find that one. All right, hold on. Synthetic Pleasures, 96. Anything else? No, I can, all right, we're done with this magazine. Thank you. Let me look up Synthetic Pleasures. Synthetic Pleasures. Well, it looks like someone uploaded the whole movie to YouTube. Released to critical acclaim in 1995, Synthetic Pleasures is an exhilarating and disturbing exploration into the ways that human beings are using technology. From body piercings to bionics to transform our environments, bodies and minds in search of pleasure, it raises issues nobody can afford to abort, retry, ignore. Hmm. A K. Purina Productions film, Synthetic Pleasures. Now it's like we're all we're back in the mid '90s watching this movie, directed by Iara e. Lee. So they're showing like a welcome to the adventure theater. Today I'm going to take you to the world of Spike. See, I'm telling you, things in the 90s were incoherent. What are they talking about? It's like some sort of theme park ride in Japan. Interesting. One of those motion theaters. That was big back then, too. It's cool. Like, you know, like you're looking at an old magazine. You can just watch the movie that in the ad, like, instantly... What is this? Like some sort of nut in space? <clears throat> Computer graphics. Oh, it's like a seed. It's like a good movie. The seed exploded with polygons. <laughs> what is going on? Ooh, an actual aquarium. Is this one of those movies that's sort of like uh, Keanu Scott's? He just oh, there is a, there is narr- I, there's I thought there'd be no narrations. A built-in dissatisfaction. There's an itch that we have that can't be scratched. Our efforts to scratch it have created civilization, which is essentially the practice of trying to adapt the environment to us rather than adapting ourselves to the environment. Oh, very clever. Very clever to say. I'll have to check that out. I'll have to continue watching that later. 
or not. I don't have to keep watching it. It looks good, though. It looks, I mean, in a way, has a good 90s vibe, you know what I'm saying. All right, let's move on here to uh, Mezcal Reviews. Yes. So when I, uh, the other day when I went over to that um, Ha 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 restaurant, I had some Leyenda uh, Puebla, right, Mezcal, and I thought it was pretty good. Though it only gets, on mezcalreviews.com, it only gets three out of five stars as nine reviews. But some of the reviews, some people gave it a five, like five stars. I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty mellow, but it was very flavorful. I liked it. I would get it again. Um, the Puebla. What is, what is this person saying? Some interesting nose. Hard to put into words, but it reminds me of holidays in Spain when I was little. Rich. Sweet floral smell, sun-baked earth, new leather, sea salt, capers, vanilla, dried apricot, candied fruit, cream custard. I love the nose. I agree with that. Taste. Full of tropical fruit, passion fruit, melon, mango, juniper, berries, sweet potato, lime juice, seawater, grapefruit peel, black olives, dirty, dusty leather. Comments. I must have got a different batch to the other reviews because I find this spirit to be amazing. Yeah, so uh, I, th- I had it. I thought it was pretty good. <coughs> and I have another one here, which was a Christmas present. El Sarar Oaxaca. Mezcal Artisanal. And uh, see what it says here in the bottle. Bottled at origin. See, there was no mezcal ads in 96. People, it was not on people's radar back then. Mezcal was not a thing back then. But it seems like a thing that could have been big in the 90s. It just wasn't. It's big in the 20s. See, we're in the 20s now. Yeah, yeah. El Sarao Oaxaca Mezcal draws inspiration from evening gatherings. Sarao. Where the moon and stars illuminate bonfires, low music, dancing, and celebrating. Produced by the third and fourth generation of Maestros Mezcaleros, El Sarao Oaxaca Mezcal is crafted with an entirely artisanal process utilizing hand tools and the traditional techniques of the region. The resulting small, unique batches highlight the outstanding quality of the agaves. All right, let's see if there's... I know I shouldn't be influenced by the reviews on this site, but El Sarao, Oaxaca... Which one is this? Espadín? This is the Espadín, yes. No reviews yet. Look, I could write their first review. Wow. It just says El Sarao Oaxaca Espadín is smoky with notes of vanilla, almond, and pineapple. Let's check this out here. Let's check it out. I want some. All right, here we go. Yum, yum. Let's see about this. No reviews. Wow. It says uh, it's made with maguey espadín in San Dionisio, Ocotepec, Oaxaca. The mezcal was released as part of the Total Wine Spirits Direct program. Okay. Hmm. I like the nose, you know, smelling it. I'm getting, getting uh, 
There's something that I'm trying to identify that scent. Almost something like wintergreen in there. Remember those wintergreen candies they used to have? They were like these mints, like little discs. They were like pink. What were those candies? Those They're like wintergreen candies. Yeah. So what is Spirits Direct? I guess it's... So this... Because I, I know there's some total wines around here that I just started going to. Uh... But yeah, maybe they're importing it directly. But it has the uh, mezcal hologram on there, so you know it's real mezcal. Most mezcal has holograms. <coughs> no, I like this. I like it. It's sort of... It's not quite as creamy and multidimensional as the other one I had yesterday, but was that yesterday? It was yesterday. <laughs> How time flies, you know? <laughs> it doesn't seem like yesterday, but it was yesterday. Yeah, there's something, it's almost like a caramel, wintergreen. It's pleasant, but something in it is frustrating me. Sort of a mineral aspect. Let's take a sip. Interesting. <coughs> Definitely... A little bit of like a mineral harshness that I like. It's a bit rough around the edges, but I do like that. What does this hologram say? Just mezcal. There's something written on there. I can't really see it though. That'd be a good name for a band, the Mezcal Holograms. That's a good name. And by the way, they don't put the worm in there anymore. I don't know the last time they did that. They used to put little worms in the in the bottles. It's a long time ago. It was like a novelty. Wasn't there a movie <coughs> where the worm like got giant and like became like a giant monster? What was that? One of those movies like uh, a <coughs> Cronenberg thing, or maybe Peter Weller was involved, or was it like uh, what was that movie about Hunter S. Thompson? No. All right, I'm going to have to look this up, but I do like this one. It has a strange... The taste is really intense. <coughs> Some candy in there. Industrial cleansers. I like this one. See, I, I, I like mezcals that are bold and crazy and out there, and this one is definitely like that. Yeah. Rubber. Rubber cement. <coughs> um, almost like melon. There's a lot of stuff going on. Hold on, let me look up this movie. What? Poltergeist 2? What? Was there Poltergeist 2? Hmm. No. I would have... I like the first Poltergeist. Let's see. Hmm. 
apparently it is Poltergeist 2. <laughs> I must have seen that movie. I... Oh, God, this Ant-Man Quantumania. Get out. It looks horrible. I don't like the Marvel movies. Shut up with Quantumania. Shut up. Yeah, this is a scene. Why did I think it was Peter Weller? It's someone totally different. Fandango movie clips. 86, Poltergeist 2. So he drinks the worm. Oh, who is it? It's, it's, it's that Craig T. Nelson, right? What, did he move into another haunted house? <laughs> what a buffoon. Dude, check the house for hauntings before you buy one. What an idiot. He's going to, like, vomit out the giant worm, right? Why do I think it was Peter Weller? No, he's okay. Wait a second. What happened? What is going on? More incoherent stuff. His first house was built above an Indian graveyard. What is his next house? Really? The little girl is still... I thought she... Didn't she die, the little girl from the first movie? Yeah, there's something wrong here. I, I don't... This is, not the, this is not the right scene. I don't know what the hell's going on. Alright, anyway, I... Whatever. I cannot find it, but I, that must be what it's from. I don't know. Or is this it? Oh yeah, the giant worm is attacking him. All right, enough of this. Enough of this din. Poltergeist three, no two. All right, first of all, the little girl from the movie she died, right? Heather O'Rourke. She died age twelve. Like, a lot of people that were in that movie died. And then there was Poltergeist 3, but what about Poltergeist 2? Oh, I did, I did, I put an extra I in there, okay. Poltergeist 2, the other side. Okay. Heather O'Rourke was in that one as well, okay. Yeah, I don't really remember that one. Anyway, whatever. Whatever. This stuff is good, though. Very good. I guess you got to get it at Total Wine. <laughs> I just... Yeah, Poltergeist 2. The other side. Wow. No, my other side is better. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Anyways, I want to thank you so much for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape. Right, Kitty? Mojo, listening to the show? Uh, yes, I'm your host, Frank Edward Knorr. And uh, we're here in the Overnightscape Underground, a radio station inside a book. And you can go to onsug.com to get all your onsug needs. O-N-S-U-G.com, that's short for the Overnightscape Underground. But you could also type in theovernightscapeunderground.com. That'll work as well. 
Uh, you'll find all of our latest shows, like as you can see here right now, Post Arland Monologics number 11 with Maverick 88 is the latest show that was posted. And you can also listen to the complete archive of over 13,000 hours. You'll see the link there for OnSug Radio. And you can get the book right now. You can buy a copy of the book. This book will... Uh, this is the 2021 edition, and I am working on a new edition uh, that's going to come out this year at some point. And you can also download a PDF of the original book or of the most updated book, including Rules to My Card Game, Solitaire Card Game, Flea Devil Solitaire. Please check it out. You can also participate in a show called Overnight Scape Central, as I mentioned. We've been doing Beatles the last couple of weeks. I don't know if there's going to be a third week of Beatles, but if you have something to say about the Beatles, please, please... Please, please be, oh yeah. No, no, no. Please uh, enter. Uh, check it out. Guys, check out the latest episode of Overnight Scape Central for how you can participate. And, of course, uh, from now, which is Thursday, January 19th, uh, 2023, till the 20th anniversary on uh, Monday, March 27th, 2023, Leave a message. Please call 949-ONS-20th. That is 949-667-2084. And as we mentioned earlier, leave a message. Leave multiple messages. Uh, if you're on some adventure somewhere, if you're traveling somewhere, if you're at a rest stop on the side of the road, just, just call up. 949-667-2084. It's so wild to be using a phone number in 2023, but I think it might work. 949-ONS-20th. That's 949-667-2084. It feels very 20th century to say that. Please call in. We'll play, I'll be playing all the messages on the 20th anniversary episode. Thank you. Now, as I mentioned, this is the good one. This is better than a polter, poltergeist crap, okay? It's a collection of audio, songs, musics, uh, recorded works, various found audio, all sorts of fun, fun stuff. You know what I'm talking about. This is The Other Side.
Whoa, just... what's going on with Matt here? <laughs> Dance party. Wait a second. Uh, Look at no this. One? Well, I heard there was going to be an exit ramp. This one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, crap. Can you hear me? I hear yeah. you, but I'm seeing uh, <laughs> people dancing in the street. Uh, I don't know if they're uh, celebrating or rioting. Who knows these days? Oh, do you know what it is, actually? That's the uh, same thing now. Do you know what would really help? If I actually plugged in my camera. <laughs> oh, okay. Is that is that your background, your screen background on your desktop computer? It's people dancing? No, it's a Zoom um, virtual background. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I see. Here we go. Droid. No, no, I don't want that one. I want this one. Yeah. There you cool. are, yes. Aha. Oh, no, now you're right there. You just need to dim your lighting a little, and it would be rather <laughs> convincing. Now, what is your what is that T-shirt? Is that that Star Wars T-shirt? Yeah, it's... Um... You, you, what number do you have on there? The 209? Because I caught it at 209 once. No, it's 1611. One, one, one. Okay, yeah. That's a 209 in Star Wars. It goes by real fast, but... Uh, oh, really? Yeah, it does say 209 at one point. Stay on target, yes. Stay on target. Listen up! Yeah, I've been pretty... I've been obsessing on, like, some Star Wars stuff. And the that. good Star Wars is theoretically possibly coming back, according to uh, some pretty uh, reasonable rumors. Well... To me now, the good Star Wars is Phantom Menace. That's what I've been obsessing on. I downloaded, there's, there's a great, uh, someone basically created a, a, a version of Phantom Menace with every single deleted scene back in it. It's really, and, it, and uh, it's really amazing. It's, uh, it makes the movie even better. There's, you know, all the deleted scenes. There's so much scenes that I didn't realize were there. Um, I'm really starting to think that Phantom Menace is every bit as good as the original trilogy and I love long versions. Of so movies. anyway, and they did a long version of the master and the apprentice. And they also made a version of Rogue One completely merged in with a, a New Hope, right? Because it dovetails. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lovely. All right. yeah. All right, all right. Hold on, we'll start the show in a moment here. Um, the Star Wars parody par excellence, the the best Star Wars parody that I've ever seen, um, is a crew called the Oral Knots. A-U-R-A-L, Oral Knots. And they have dubbed, I think, all of the movies. I don't know if they've done...
you threaten to tell Held me down till I breathed them in And forgot why I asked, forgot why I asked you to leave As you board, please move across your car to make room for everyone and kindly offer available seating to those needing special assistance. If you're standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the automatic doors. They will be closing in a moment. Thank you. We will be traveling to the Transportation and Ticket Center. If you are traveling to Disney's Contemporary, Polynesian, or Grand Floridian Resorts, please exit this monorail. The monorail on the opposite side of this station services our resort hotels. For assistance, please ask a monorail host or hostess. If you are standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors. They will be closing in a moment. The monorail will depart momentarily for the transportation and ticket center. Thank you. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail to the Transportation and Ticket Center. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking please. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed the Magic Kingdom. Within the 47 square miles of the Walt Disney World Resort, you'll discover much more entertainment and recreation for all ages. Each themed Disney Resort features daytime and nighttime activities. For a wide variety of shopping, dining, and nighttime entertainment, visit Disney's Boardwalk, or Downtown Disney, which includes the Marketplace, Pleasure Island, and the West Side. We also invite you to experience River Country, Typhoon Lagoon, and Blizzard Beach, our themed water parks. Coming up on the lagoon side is Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. This picturesque Victorian-themed resort provides a taste of turn-of-the-century Florida with the modern conveniences of a full-service spa and health club. You can enjoy breakfast or dinner with the Disney characters at 1900 Park Fair or dine on the shores of Seven Seas Lagoon at Narcusis. Citrico's in the main building specializes in a mix of market-fresh Floridian and Mediterranean meals that change with the season. Each night here on the Seven Seas Lagoon, we present our electrical water pageant. 
This shimmering musical parade features King Neptune and other creatures of the deep. Located between Disney's Grand Floridian and Polynesian Resorts is Disney's Wedding Pavilion. Couples may exchange vows in a fairy tale setting complete with the picturesque backdrop of Cinderella Castle. Experience a South Seas Island adventure at Disney's Polynesian Resort. Inside the great ceremonial house, you can enjoy breakfast with Minnie Mouse or a unique dining experience at Ohana. Other evening entertainment includes the Polynesian Luau Dinner Show and the Neverland Club, a supervised dinner buffet for children. Ladies and gentlemen, we are approaching the Transportation and Ticket Center. This includes all sections of the Magic Kingdom car and bus parking lot. If you are traveling to Epcot, please exit here and board the monorail at the connecting monorail station. Separate bus transportation is provided to Disney's Animal Kingdom, both Disney MGM Studios, Typhoon Lagoon, and Downtown Disney, which includes the Marketplace, Pleasure Island, and the West Side. Buses also travel to Disney's Fort Wilderness Resort and Campground and Disney's Wilderness Lodge. Should you need additional assistance, a host or hostess will be happy to help you. This monorail will be returning to the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're standing, please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the monorail stops completely and the doors open. If this concludes your visit to the Walt Disney World Resort, we hope you've had a wonderful time and will return home safely. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. This is the Transportation and Ticket Center. Thank you for traveling with us. Ladies and gentlemen, please collect your belongings and watch your head and step as you exit. Please assist small children by the hand. Thank you.
who's going to be the best when he dies? Billy Crystal. Oh. <laughs> when Billy Crystal's dead, we're going to play that every day. And not that we're wishing him a quick or early death. You know what, John? But you can take make that great. You know what, John? You can take this tape, bring it to Howard, and he can shove it right up his beep. Because <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny to be at something like this. And then you'll all laugh. Yeah. It's not funny. No, it is funny. Uh, Tommy Lasorda, we when we asked him to give back the Slim Fast money, that was great too. Oh, every time. I mean, he blows up every uh, time John interviews him. See, they don't make them like that anymore. All these guys are gone. And then, you know, when Walter Cronkite goes, that'll be a good one. See, but he, yeah, right. That'll be a good one. I like the guy who does the Billy Crystal impression Yeah. of John getting yelled at. Where is that guy? And did he cut a bunch of stuff for us, Gary? Where, where are those tapes? I'm ready to do a retrospective. And where's the tapes of the Billy Crystal impersonator? Because I love those. So, John, you can take this tape back to Howard, because it's not funny. It's not funny. It's Howard jumps on me. And it's not funny. At a thing like this. And, you know, you're at a thing like this, and it's not funny. Are you ready? Here, go ahead. Here's the original John with right. Billy Crystal. Here's the original. There's the impersonator, and then there's all the ones he did. Oh, yeah. Okay, you want to have some fun? Here you go. How are you? Good. Big How are you? Fan. Who are you? Paul. How's it going? From where? From XRK. Um, are you glad that you're the only guy who can handle the Oscars? I'm not the only guy who can handle the Oscars. Well, David didn't do as good job as you, but... David, David did a fine job. Great. I love what David did on the show. He was terrific. Okay. Uh, will there be a Mr. Saturday Night too? Yes, there will. Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how many years were you married before you cheated on your wife? <sighs> So, so you can take this to Howard, right? And you can shove this right up Howard's stupid <laughs> ass, okay? Well, you don't like Howard anymore, though? No, because Howard dumps on me all the time, and, you know, it's just not fun when you have a thing like this, okay? <laughs> and now you'll do this on a show, and you'll all laugh and have a good time, but it's not fun, you know? We play this every day. You know, he can predict the future. Right, right. He is absolutely right. So We're still laughing at it. So here's Bob Kate. He does the perfect impression of this. I, I didn't do the Academy Award. This is not Billy this year so i mean i have nothing to say so i mean and you're just going to take that tape back to howard and, and it's not funny you know it's 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 not fun you know and you're going to goof on me so uh so so f howard now then well, i don't even know what these are from the big apple you're listening to a man who loves lesbians so much he's changing the name of my classic film to when mary met sally you know what it's 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 not fun it's 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 not funny so you can take the lesbians back to Howard, and he can goof on them, and stick their dildos up his ass. Right. <laughs> I could listen to that all day. My idea of comic relief is getting uh, Whoopi and Robin together, you know, and uh, you're listening to a man whose idea of comic relief is eating a bunch of burritos and propelling himself across the studio with his own gas. You, you know what? It's 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 not fun. It's it's, it's not funny. So you can take these thoughts back to Howard and it's he can fun. stick them back up his Where's Billy from? He's from Long Island, right? Yeah. So is that a Long Island accent? I think so. He's trying to mask it somehow. Yeah. It's yeah. not fun. Not funny. I mean, the guy cut a million of them. From the top of the Howard Stern building in New York City, you're listening to a man who wishes his penis was 61. You know what? It's, it's not funny. It's, it's, it's not fun. So you can take this back to Howard, and he can goof on it, and he can stick this 61-inch penis up his ass, and he's tall enough to make it fit. Don't you love that? Oh. I'm beautiful. So. 
I got a million of them. But uh, so my favorite dead interview will be Billy Crystal when he yeah. dies. I didn't even realize he stuck the uh, stupid mm. ass in there. Yeah, yeah, stupid ass. Howard, stupid ass. The stupid ass. <laughs> Howard, stupid ah! ass. Yeah. How embarrassing would it be? You know, one day I will run into Billy Crystal somewhere. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be funny. <laughs> hey, Billy, here's my stupid ass. Now what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Here's my stupid ass. What do you want to shove in it? Yeah, come on. Here's my stupid ass. What do you want to do with my stupid ass? Come on. This sounds very gay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can take the stupid tape, how it's stupid ass, and stupid... Because it's not fun. Because it's not fun, and it's not funny, and it's not... At a not thing like this. At a thing like this. <laughs> And, <laughs> and there's nothing Where fun. Where is he going? A thing like a this. A thing like this. From New York City, you're listening to a man who thinks that Forget Paris was about people who smoke too much pot. You know what? It's 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 not fun. It's it's, it's not funny. So so you can take this film back to Howard, and he can. Uh... What the hell was I saying? <laughs> you take my tongue and shove it up your. Oh, wait a second. Oh, wait a minute. That's a fantasy. Wait a minute. It's France that. Uh, now, you're going to think this is kind of weird. Oh, there's a bunch of tapes i got to play, but all right, let me just talk to this guy first. A couple people on the phone. First guy is a guy who wrote a book. I love this topic. All right? guy wrote a whole book about... In case a shark attacks you, what you do? Oh, please. Yeah. Like, how many people does this cover? Now, I've heard this before. Where you're, you're supposed to, I think you're supposed to kick the shark in the nose. But wait a minute. Like, how much of a book can you get out of it? I don't know. But all I know is, like, I know me. I panic when I have to set the alarm to my house. <laughs> you know, I can't imagine a shark's attacking me, and I have the wherewithal to kick the friggin' thing in the snout, you know? I just can't imagine I'm going to think that clearly. <laughs> if you if you actually manage to do that, yeah. it'd be by accident. <laughs> uh, this is Michael Capuzzo, the author of Close to Shore. Michael? Howard, hi. Listen, you can take it. <laughs> you can take this book. <laughs> you can take this book. And my stupid ass. 